Welcome back to Occasional Randomness and our continuing rewatch of that amazing, or some might say frilling amazing, science fiction TV series Farscape. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and joining me as always, my fellow co-host, someone who doesn't mind sharing, Jason Johnson. It, it's too bad that I can't sing because this would be the perfect place for a chorus of just the two of us. You know, because there's two Crichtons and two of... Anyway, uh, welcome to Occasional Randomness, folks. Yeah, they totally dropped the ball on the uh, musical with the Crichton duet, but, you know. Oh, yeah, th you're right. That's a perfect spot to throw that in. He can sing with himself. Have, like, a little montage and a little, little music, you know, maybe a dance number. You know, it'd be great. You know, he can partner with himself. They could dance around. It'd be great. They should be in sync because they know what each other's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they both want to lead, so that wouldn't work out too well. So Yeah, as we'll see. So, some quick housekeeping before we jump on into the stuff. We're going to change our format just a tiny bit. If you've been listening to our prior episodes back on our incomparable days or the reposting of stuff here on Occasional Randomness. Before, we used to do two episodes per podcast, so now we're just going to scale it back to just one episode. And from time to time, that will give us the opportunity to do a different discussion after Farscape about maybe some more current things that we're watching. Some other TV show, movie, or whatever. But this time around, it's just the one episode of Farscape. Since most things we're currently watching either just started as of the recording of this podcast, like The Mandalorian Season 3, or some stuff is almost or not quite or halfway done yet, like Bad Batch, Picard, stuff like that. So yeah, but at some point, we'll have more than just this. For, for those who've been following us since, you know, the, like as he said, the early days, you know, you, the, the theme of Jason hasn't seen it, we'll, we'll probably run through a lot of that too, so... But speaking of things we've both seen, we have both watched Farscape Season 3, Episode 7, Thanks for Sharing. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. We start off with Moya rendezvousing with Talon, who's been seriously damaged. We uh, see Crace unconscious aboard Moya, being tended to by Jewel. And then we move to our latest crew drama, if you watched last episode. There are two John Crichtons arguing over who is the clone and who's the original. Aaron basically gives up trying to listen to them or try to figure it out and just gives them both a different colored shirt to wear so she can tell them both apart. And since that doesn't make for good voice podcasting, uh, for recap, recap purposes, we'll call them by their shirt color. Black John and Green John. You've been warned. And I'll try to keep that consistent <laughs> through this thing. That's not going to get confusing at all. No. And we'll see. Next episode, as we'll talk later, yes, hopefully. But right now, it took a bit getting used to. Anyway, so... Dargo, Chiana, and Rigel, no Johns, are on the planet Moy is orbiting, Canvia, trying to purchase some Chromextin, which is a substance that can heal Talon. Aaron sends Green John to watch Crace and sends Black John to help Stark, who's on Talon. Rigel comes so close to securing a deal for the Chromextin, but because they require such a large quantity, the dealer they're talking to says she needs the security officer's approval. While they're waiting for that to happen, a couple of men enter the refreshment house that they're all in, and one of them comes on to Chiana, thinking she's some kind of sex slave. More on that later. Which Dargo naturally does not like. Dargo beats the crap out of them. As he does. But the dealer walks out. Yeah, as, he, as, he, as he can. But the dealer walks out, wishing Rajah luck. Dargo just attacked the security officer. Oopsie. Hmm. Bad first impression. Back on Talon, Stark tells Black John that everything is offline, and Crace's neural link may be the only thing keeping Talon alive. Back on Moya, Green John goes to Jewel, who's still working on Grace, and persuades her to test him to prove that he is the real Crichton and Black John is the clone. 
Green John then leaves, and of course, that's when Crace suddenly wakes up and grabs Jewel by the throat, because he has no idea who she is. She manages to stab him and lets out a scream, causing Green John and Aaron to rush back in. Crace is shocked at the sight of Aaron, as he and Talon left before she was resurrected back in the first episode of this season. But he recovers and tells everyone that Talon was attacked by peacekeepers. They want Talon back. Dun, dun, dun. Da-da. Drama. Back on the planet, Rigel is talking with Canvia's sovereign, Prelanoth, just so happens to be the father of the security officer, Tolvin. Oops. Tolvin's sister, Sarova, appears to be on Rigel's side, but Tolvin believes that they're going to use the Chromexton to power weapons and does not want them to be sold to them. So Prelanoth tells Rigel that there will be no sale and gives Rigel one arn to leave the planet. Back on Moya, Crace explains that Talon was attacked by a squad of peacekeeper ships and was hit with something called an immobilizer pulse. They barely managed to break free and starburst, but that used all of Talon's remaining energy. Aaron says that Talon was attacked by a peacekeeper retrieval squad, trying to capture Talon, not to destroy him. Back on the planet, Rigel has gotten to the transport pod and wants to leave, but Dargo and Chiana are still at the refreshment house, trying to find another source of Chromexton. Back on the ships, Crace tells Aaron that he and Talon accessed a peacekeeper database, including Aaron's personnel file. He shows her a recording of the time her mother, Zalex, came to her as a child, and told her that she was conceived in love, not like most peacekeepers, to just fill the ranks. And that is what made Aaron special. She and Aaron's father, Talon, and remember that's what Aaron named Moya's offspring after her father, they all wanted her and loved her. Kreis says it was both Aaron and Zalex's files, but he found no information on her father Talon at all. Zalex's last notes on her file detail a promotion. Yep, you guessed it. The retrieval squad is under the command of senior officer Zalex Soon. It's a family business. Meanwhile, back on the planet, Tolvin is told that the ships have not left and orders concussion missiles fired at them. Moya and Talon are shaken by the missile fire, and Moya's sensors are disrupted. Black John has a cunning plan, and Moya descends. And Moya and Talon descend towards the ground, where Talon targets his main cannon at the building Tolvin and his family are in. Tolvin's ready to keep going, but Pralanoth objects and orders the missiles to stand down before asking to speak with Black John face to face. So Black John comes over and asks what Pralanoth's problem is, and Tolvin objects, while Sarova is again apologetic. But Talvin's men grab John, or Black John, and a facehugger-like creature is attached to his face. Or head, I guess. Headhugger? Anyway, it can sense lies and will kill him if he does lie. So they ask him if he's here to cause them problems, but Black John swears they just want the Kermexton and nothing else. They'll get out of here as soon as they get it. They let him go, and Black John, Dargo, and Chiana are still hanging out in their freshman house when Black John gets a call from Sarova. She wants to meet him alone and discuss the Kermexton. They meet, and she takes him inside her refreshment house and tells him that Talvin will not allow the sale. She says that she believes Talvin will continue to try to stop the sale when a putty bomb explodes, injuring both of them. The others take an injured Black John back to Moya because Sarova says that she must tell no one that the two of them met and leave her there. As the crew leaves, Sarova is approached by an ominous, anonymous figure. That we'll never see again. Yeah, that has no part of the story whatsoever. Back on Moya, Jewel looks over Black John and says he will need a blood transfusion due to a cut artery in his leg. So Green John volunteers. She tells Black John that he and Green John are both perfect copies of each other. Green John asks to be filled in on what happened on the planet as he plans to pay them a visit. Speaking of which, Tolvan is telling Pralnoth that Sarova was with John, and he was severely injured, when the unscathed Green John enters, acting as nothing had happened. Tolvan says that he has witnesses and that Green John was probably conspiring to take power. Green John walks over and puts the facehugger on his head and swears he did not meet with Sarova, which is technically true, and was not present at any explosion. 
when Green John doesn't die, Pranoth tells Talvin to give Green John what he wants and go away. As the others start to give the Kermexton to Talon, Kray starts screaming, the Kermexton is poisoned. <gasps> Jill's analysis shows that it was mixed with chlorium, a substance that numbs leviathans, which by the way, for you longtime listeners or watchers of the show, is a callback way back to season one, episode two, IET. And our very first podcast of this <laughs> rewatch of Farscape. So go back and listen to that for fun. Jewel and Chiana have a bright idea to use Moya to filter out the chlorium, as Moya's bigger and can handle it, as Aaron and Black John head to Talon. Aaron says that the retrieval squad must be near, and if they're here, then Talon will have to starburst away and won't be able to go back to Moya. Green John and Dargo meanwhile visit Talvin and stick the facehugger on his head for a change. Green John asks if he poisoned the Kermixton, but he says no. Pralnoth does, however, say that in rare cases, disciplined minds have been able to fool the facehugger, but he says that Talvin is not a liar. Talvin says that he did not have anything to do with the bomb at the refreshment house, and again, he appears to be telling the truth. But when Green John says that Talvin must be a good and loyal son, the facehugger starts to react, and Talvin refuses to answer. <gasps> but Pralnoth forces him to answer, and he says that he doesn't intend to dishonor the family. But that must be a lie because the facehugger kills him. <laughs> so. so it turns out it was actually a mind flare. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pranoth tells Green John and Dargo to leave. Sorova then tries to avenge Talvin's death by firing missiles at the ship, but Pranoth says no, Talvin caused his own death. And then, for reasons that we'll find out later, Sorova pulls out Pranoth's breathing tube, kills his guard, before then ordering the missile attacks to continue, which results in Talon and Moya forcing to climb higher into the atmosphere to escape the missiles. They sense a peacekeeper scan, and Talon is forced to starburst immediately away, with Black John, Aaron, Rigel, and Stark still aboard. Moya then starbursts away with the rest of the crew as the peacekeeper ships arrive. Back on the planet, we see Sarova morph into some sort of shape-shifting creature. The creature is met by none other than Zalek's son, and reveals that it was the one who placed the bomb and poisoned the Kermexton before killing Sarova after the bombing and disguising itself as her, which now explains things. The creature reports that Talon only got a third of the Kermexton it needs, and Zalek says that Talon will be weak for some time. It's just a matter of finding them. Back on Moya, Green John tells Dargo that Black John took Winona, his gun, and his notebook. How dare he? Green John also says that Black John set it all up just so he could be on Talon with Aaron, and says that he had better be taking care of her. Speaking of which, on Talon, Rigel is of course angry that they can't contact Moya, and of course wants food and to be shown to his personal room. Kreis kind of puts that to bed by saying the food will be rationed and Stark and Rigel will have to share a room, much to Rigel's annoyance. And Starks. <laughs> and Starks, yeah. <laughs> Aaron tells Black John that her mother is in command of the retrieval squad, and she does not think that that's a coincidence. She says that she will not let the peacekeepers capture Talon, even if it means she has to kill her mother. Dun-dun-dun. The end. All right, just a little bit of trivia for this episode. The scene of Aaron's mother's nighttime visit was initially mentioned way back in Family Ties, which was season one's finale, episode 22, if you're keeping score at home, and now finally shown here as a flashback. The Canvian Truth Seeker, or face hugger thing that we kept calling it, was modeled on spiders and lobsters due to Dave Elzey's, their creature effects supervisor's, phobias of them. And except for the lobster part, I'm right there with you, dude. Spiders are creepy. <laughs> and the entire cityscape of... The planet was created by their VFX partner, Animal Logic. No shots were filmed on location. Just a bunch of refreshment houses. That's right. Just a bunch of places to go drink. All right. So what do you think of this one? I, yeah, I, th I think it was a really good episode. It was another, I can't say bottled on a planet, but you know what I'm saying? Like there, there was, we were stuck on one planet trying to recuperate episode. But with all that said, it was a good chance to, to dig into the, I guess we can't call them clones, the copies 
Crichton copies? Yeah, duplicates? Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, uh, you know, we got to kind of absorb that. We got to get the crew back together with Talon and Crace. And, you know, as we'll discuss later, Split, which makes for an interesting dynamic going forward this season. So I think a lot of good things happened here and a lot of a lot of interesting shakeups that we'll, we'll be dealing with for the next several episodes. Yep. And I guess one of the quasi shakeups, uh, we start out with Jewel treating Crace and later doing like sciencey things. So I guess she's a replacement Zan because for doctor and scientist, scientist type things, or the writers haven't gotten any, any new scripts yet or changed the existing ones to account for Virginia Hay, the actress's departure from last episode. Probably a little bit of both, right? I mean, you've got to have a doctor on the ship to deal with the medical stuff that comes up. Always seemed kind of weird that that fell to Zan, but I guess as a scientist, it kind of made sense. And Jewel made the mistake of mentioning that she had medical training. I'm putting scare quotes around medical. So I guess the job's hers. But again, probably also related to the fact that there's a lot of scripts there already written with Zan in mind that they're just having to shoehorn Jewel back into, right? And, yeah, uh, because as we talked about way back whenever that, yeah, it wasn't her idea to leave the show that way, you know, because, you know, her makeup, her, the skin coloring on her to make her blue was causing her to have like major organ problems. So, yeah, she she left because she had to. So that probably kind of caught people off guard and they already had stuff in the pipeline, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, until they find a hard like hologram to, to act as a physician, you know, it'll it'll have to be her. <laughs> so. And for some reason, I did not initially think of the Voyager doctor. Somehow I went to like Red Dwarf's Rimmer when you said that. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm covering all the bases. So, <laughs> yeah. Although he wasn't, a, he wasn't a doctor. But anyway. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I haven't seen Red Dwarf. So, <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Th- that's a whole different topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, this needs to be like a bingo card or something for this at this point. But anyway, let's go on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Jules mentioned she's more like a scientist than like a doctor. So, yeah, she's kind of fumbling around trying to heal craze which i guess she does a good job because he's still alive and you know handles crichton's whichever crichton i can't remember now <laughs> that, that crichton's injuries so i mean you know she knows at least her way around the equipment yeah i mean I, to, to, to crib from other shows you know i guess if you're you got enough if you've got enough scientician training you can you could you know you know your way around any medical or science emergency so yeah because you know all the sciences yes yes it's all the same stuff just wear a lab coat you'll be good and like I said before in the recap, we get to our main issue from last episode, two Crichtons. And of course, they're taking it about as well as you would think they would be. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is to say, no. Which is not at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I do like Aaron's temporary solution for telling them apart. Just give them a different colored shirt because it's a TV show, it's visual, and you can see that they're different because they got a different shirt. Which I guess is good until laundry day or the next time they change shirts because they can't wear the same color because that'll throw everybody off. But then this won't be a problem because like most shows around this time and even today, the characters wear the same stuff forever. So. Which raises the question of why Crichton even had different color shirts for her to choose from, right? He, he only ever wears one color. So where the other, why were there other colors on the ship? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's from past seasons, right? He has like a closet-free season. And then, you know, th- this season is going to be the green shirt. You know, last season was the black shirt. <laughs> so, so somewhere on Moya, there's just a room of like last season's wardrobe. Yeah, you know, it's it's so big, right? They can just have a whole rooms full of last season's clothes. You I, know? I just picture them every season they move to a different room. I, I'm, I'm going to leave my stuff and move to a new room. <laughs> yeah, you never know, right? Just because it looks the same as last time we saw it doesn't mean it's the same room. That's right. We don't ever see them walking there. Yeah, they just show up there. And uh, I guess the other, not other, but going from what is a good idea to like a why idea or why plot thing is, I know Chiana's exotic looking because everybody keeps mentioning it all the time. 
but why does every place they go, especially bars, everybody thinks she's some kind of prostitute or something? I mean, is it like, does she give off pheromones? Like, what's the deal? Although it's nice to see that Dargo still cares about her and will defend her. Not just because it's, you know, their crewmate, but because they had the relationship before. And of course, that gives him a chance to kick some butt, which is always great. Even though, of course, it's the wrong butt to kick this time. Yeah, in, insert drama. Although, I, again, I think that you think by now that they, with this crew, they would have realized that the more people they send, if you send more than you absolutely need, it's never going to work out, right? If you sent Rigel and Dargo, it would have been fine. But we sent Shiana, and it was bad. It seems like, you know, two's company, three's a crowd. Every time we get too many people on, on a planet, bad stuff happens. And and Chiana seems to be the one that has the bad luck, or is written to have the bad luck. Yeah, because for some reason you think they would figure out that, yeah, Chiana and bars don't mix. <laughs> yeah, just not her scene. Yeah, or it's too much of her scene, and that causes all the other problems. So, yeah. And um, some other cool things that... Um, it was a really good scene with Crace discovering that Aaron's alive and Crichton just kind of dismissing it. It's like, yeah, we got more important things to talk about. You know, we, we can fill in later. You know, we need to know what's happening to you right now. Because obviously he had no idea that she was alive because they left at the end of uh, season two and didn't see the beginning of season three. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. And which, you know, Crichton's had some time to adjust to and get used to having her back and, you know, whatever. Whereas Crace kind of, was traumatized by it and then whatever. Wait, so is it me or is there something like weird dynamic between Grace and, and Aaron the last couple of times they've been around each other? I don't know. I don't know what the show's going for there. Yeah, and that's true because, I mean, obviously the beginning of the series, you know, she screws up or he thinks she's contaminated by dealing with an, a non-Sebation person, Crichton. So he like throws her out of the service and, you know, blackballs her and says, if I see you again, you're going to die. So, you know, you, you start from there. Right now, I mean, is it because he's also now a loner? Like he's been kicked out by, you know, he's had the same thing done to him that he did to her. Right. So now is it kind of like a, oops, I kind of understand what what you must've gone through or, or, you know, you're the only other sebation that I know that's been kicked out of the peacekeepers. So we, we have to bond or we have to be friends now because we're in the same boat, so to speak. I don't know. I'm starting to, yeah, here's conspiracy corner, I guess. I don't know. I'm starting to think that it has something to do with the fact that Talon likes Aaron and Crace uh, is bonded to Talon. And so he's getting like a backfeed of the attachment from Talon. Yeah, it could be because you know, the the pilot Leviathan symbiosis or not whatever I call it. Yeah, we, we've seen it happen before with pilot, you know, that he's kind of feeling what Moya feels and yeah. So I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Could happen. Yeah. <laughs> or Crace now wants to have some sexy time with Aaron and there's John in the way. So, you know, he's got to, you know, yeah, I, so I, some jealousy. I don't know. We'll, I, I may mention that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. stay tuned. But keeping on the on the Crace Aaron thing, uh, they do kind of bring back something that it seems like Crace was trying to tell Aaron something back at the end of season two in that last episode before you know her death, untimely death, and later resurrection. But so just because I think it makes sense, I'm going to assume that that's what he told her here about her mother and father, you know, wanting to conceive her out of love, not a peacekeeper duty, which is also kind of interesting because Aaron has had a couple of relationships the same way, like out of love, like with the one Sebation scientist that was working on Moya last season or with something close to Sebation, like person Crichton, right? Yeah. So was he trying to tell her that part or was he trying to tell her that it was her mom that's 
after him. You know, one of the two. But yeah, or, or does now he want her to stay around because he thinks he can use her as leverage against his mom who's hunting him? Right. That could be too. I guess we'll find out next episode because they can't forget about half the crew for episodes. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. as Farscape's done before, you never know. But look, look at that point. Yeah, we'll, we'll time <laughs> jump for like two years in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then I guess while we're keeping on the the interesting or cool things about this episode, the bar or I should say refreshment house scene with Black John and Sarova was kind of cool. You know, with with the putty oozing around the floor, they had some like really cool camera angles. And like visuals of maybe like what what the putty's looking at or how the putty's visualizing things as it's oozing across the floor. I, I didn't quite at first think what they was what they were. I thought maybe it was like some kind of like life form or some kind of like eavesdropping thing, or maybe it was going to get close to get to, ready to attack them, which of course it did, maybe more or less when they combined finally. But I thought it was pretty, you know your typical cool Farscape like organic technology kind of stuff. Yeah, as, as soon as I saw that they were different colors. I kind of had a feeling that they were going to mix and explode, you know, because a lot of times your your different color explosives that you mix together would be different colors. So that, that was immediately where my brain went, but it was still a great scene. And uh, like you said, the, the tech in Farscape, it's always nice to be reminded that it's it's not our tech, right? And, and that's always kind of a cool thing. The, the I will give a, a call out to the awesome early 2000s CGI animation on the the putty. That was That was kind of a cool throwback. I enjoyed it. Yeah, because nowadays they would just do like CGI or like they would just it'd be like animated into it. This looked, it looked weird, right? Now, yeah, like what, what was it? Practical stuff that they made like roll down a slide that looked like the floor, or is it like CGI, or is it like stop motion? You couldn't tell what it was, but it was cool. I, I kind of, and again, I'm not an expert. I kind of felt like it was uh, practical that they they tried to CGI on top of, so it was almost like a both. It wasn't like today's CGI. It was like screensaver level CGI, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. It was what twenty three year old CGI, uh, point, right? uh, so, ow, or something like that. Twenty two. Uh, well, uh, anyway, but yeah, ouch. Old, old, long time ago. Yeah. That pains me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or old. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm old. Anyway. Oh, uh, I'm right behind you. But hey, uh, d- despite uh, both our Johns not really wanting to be around each other, or only wanting there to be, you know, there could be only one. Uh, when push does come to shove, though... He takes off his head. No, wait. Okay. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> he cuts his head off and... Uh, <laughs> Did big, not see big, that big, coming. Big, big energy surge <laughs> happens and... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, they do care about each other and they'll do the right thing to help each other if one's you know, hurt. So that's nice. Plus, also, it makes it kind of more important since, you know, Jules' analysis can't tell which one's the clone and which one isn't. So yeah, I mean, if, if you were the clone you would not want the original to die necessarily uh, and vice versa, probably. I don't know, but, but basically what you have to know is just for all intents and purposes, they're the same person effectively. Yeah. So, so not a clone as much as like a replicator mishap where you have the same output. Yeah. So I think even Crichton, one of the Crichtons said that, yeah, it's, it's not a clone per se because the clone wouldn't know anything. This is basically like an exact, like it knows everything, you know, up until the point you got cloned or twinned or replicated so it's like yeah it's not the same I mean, as you both the, live like, the same life yeah That's... i mean basically you're identical up until that point and now you're different so it's not, it's not identical, even like identical twins it's you know it's you up until five minutes ago or whatever you know so and then farscape does what farscape does where it throws in some weird twists on you keep you on your toes i definitely did not see the multiple in this case twists in the ending part of that was coming at all 
I thought probably like everybody else, or at least along with the crew, that Talvin was the one that poisoned everything and set everybody up. Don't know what he was hiding that got him killed by the facehugger thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't going to jointly rule with his sister like she didn't want to either. That's the only thing I can think of. I, I agree with that completely. I, I, I do think it, it was a case of he was too obvious of the villain, right? You know, when you, when you start an episode out and you've got a guy who obviously you're intended to not like up front and he's the bad guy throughout, he's therefore not the real threat. If I'm, you know, thinking like a Sicilian with death on the line or something, <laughs> but you know, don't put the arcane powder in front of me, but you know, I, I don't quite get the end. And that's the one that I didn't, didn't see there because he could have just admitted to whatever the issue was and, and lived. And instead he held on to the end, lied and died. Right. You know, took the, took the mind flare to the head. So. Yeah. Cause uh, unless you're Scorpius, who's, totally evil then yeah everybody else could be off for who knows right he could just be partially yeah. evil not totally evil. Or, yeah i mean he could be a jerk without being the villain of the episode right mm -hmm. so and then we get then we get the, the the twist that probably nobody saw coming that sarova kills her father you know his guard and then like attacks everybody <laughs> yeah and then gets revealed to be some shape-shifting creature which was the cause of everything the bombing killing the real sarova because i guess she's gone i mean we don't see her after that so she's probably dead she poisoned the Kermexton. And of course, more importantly, it's working with the Peacekeepers and more specifically, Aaron's mother. This this one got me completely. You know, I, 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 at the end of this episode, I kept thinking, oh, the show's over, right? And then we go into another scene and I was like, okay. And then there'd be another scene and I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I did not expect to have this twist where she came out and the shape-shifting creature was weird. So yeah, that... I, we haven't seen one of those before, right? I mean, we've seen lots of aliens, but I don't remember one like that. Yeah, I thought it looked familiar, but I, probably not because, yeah, I think we'd have seen like shape shifting. I don't think we have seen them. Yeah. Well, at first I thought it was, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound terrible here. What's, what's the ones not the, not the peacekeepers, but the, um, not the Scarens, but the other ones that Scorpius is half. No, he, he's half Scarin, half Scarin and half Sebastian. So, okay, so it's the Scarens I'm thinking of. He, I, at first I thought it was a Scarin, but. Because uh, it had that same kind of snout, but I don't think that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, they, they, they kind of like that long, the long neck or long head kind of thing. Yeah, anyway. but, but yeah, I don't think we've seen this kind of thing before, which is kind of cool. So now we get to have that because obviously, you know, it's still around and Aaron's mom's still around. So of course, that's not not going to talk about them ever again. So yeah, they'll, they'll be around. they'll be around. Right. So so now we can't trust anybody we see because it could be a shapeshifter. Yeah. So now yeah. it could be th so. three Crichtons next time. <laughs> Ooh, the show's gonna there end go. with just everybody's a Crichton. Crichton's all down the all, the all down the line, all the way down. And of course, because in every good role-playing game or TV show, what you want to do at the end of everything is split the party. So half went on Talon, and the other half on Moya, which I'm sure it's not gonna cause any kind of problems. But at least we have one Crichton on each ship now, so that'll make it easier to tell at least that they're different. So if, you know, if you see a Crichton on Talon, you know it's that one. You see a Crichton on Moya. It's the other one. And of course, it also has some wonderful drama because it's, it's driving the Crichton on Moya nuts because he's not with Aaron because he loves her, not the other fake one that's on town. Yeah, it, it's the perfect solution to the two Crichton problem. Although part of me wonders, uh, can they get re-merged together later so that one person has the memories of both ships and crews? Because otherwise it's going to be confusing. It's going to be like, well, you were there. Why don't you remember? It's like, well, that wasn't me. That was the other job. Yeah. Once there's no longer two, what happens? It's going to be interesting to figure out. 
Yeah, because you know, obviously, this is science fiction. Anything's possible. You know, they can merge together somehow. They can find somebody else that can, you know, merge them together because you know someone knew how to take them apart. But then you have the same kind of problem. You know, they're both arguing who's who. So now that if that would happen, they could find someone to merge them together. They'd be arguing which one would be the one to get merged and which one would be the one to stay there. <laughs> you know. I keep thinking of what was what's that uh, mutant X Men character, the the multiple man or whatever, where he makes doubles and rejoins them and all that. Mm-hmm. Multiple man. Yep. That's kind of the, yeah. the scenario. Yeah, scenario I'm thinking of here. Yeah, because that would, that would be cool. Yeah, Madrox. Yeah, he's, yeah. Because I always like that. Because you know, each dupe has you know, its own personality and its own you know, memories, but he he absorbs them and gets his memories back, and he like learns stuff that way or whatever. So you know, could happen. It's science fiction. Yeah, yeah. I think he like won Jeopardy or something that way. Yeah, right. anything's possible. All right. So one final question for you: Do you think Aaron's mother knows Aaron is there, or is this some kind of peacekeeper like loyalty test for Zalex to see what she would do? If she comes across Aaron, you know, Aaron doesn't think it's a coincidence. Do you think it's a coincidence? No, I, th- I think I side with Aaron on this one. I think that her mom knows that she's there and that's why they sent her. And the interesting piece will be, is she fully committed to the peacekeeper cause or is she there to also try to save Aaron? Right. So it'd be interesting to see. Is is, is she a, a true baddie or is it, you know, she's ulterior motives? Yeah. I mean, it does add some extra drama to things like, you know, she's going to be, you know, obviously she's said at least how many years ago, 20, 30, I don't know, that, you know, she loves Aaron and, you know, her father loved her and that's why she's here and she's special and, you know, we could be a family if we could, but we can't. But so, yeah, so she still loves her. You know, she's going to try and like maybe spear her away. Is she going to defect? Who knows, right? So extra fun next time we see her of like which way she's going to go. Yeah, we'll just add her to the crew too. It'll be great. Yeah. I'm sure Crichton loved that. Well, you know, we have two ships now. You have to fill up both of them with crew, right? So, you know. Yeah, we could just, you know, Talon's growing, so we can just keep expanding Talon to have more rooms. Yeah, which would make Rigel happy. Yeah. Right. More food, more rooms. That's what make Rigel happy. About to stop and pick up some crackers somewhere. Yeah. Well, no, they don't matter. And we told you last episode, or our intro episode, that this would be coming. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can't break tradition, man. If, if, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch. Was it episode, season one? Where was it? Go, go watch. It's called Crackers Don't Matter. Find it. Watch it. You'll understand. <laughs> or you won't, but that's okay. Come back anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It just will not, you know, the joke, joke will never end. Nope. So. All right. Any, any final thoughts? I, th- I think overall, this is, this is a good one. It, it ranks up there with, you know, one of the fun ones, you know, it wasn't boring. It wasn't in the not so good category. It was a pretty solid episode overall. Yeah. I think it was a solid episode. I mean, like I said, it was, sometimes the episodes feel constrained, right? When we're planet side for an entire episode. But I think we got enough character movement and, and important outcomes that it, it was definitely a, a good episode, even if they weren't actually out in space doing stuff. Yep, a not quite bottle episode, but still good. Yes. All right, so that is it for episode seven. So next time, obviously, is season three, episode eight. Surprise. No, it's not the name of the show. It's uh, the name of the next episode is called Green-Eyed Monster. So if you've been listening for a while, you know we kind of play a guessing game of... What does that title possibly mean? Uh, again, Jason's never seen this before. I have, but I can't remember anything anymore because, like I said, it's been 23 years. Uh, so taking a wild guess here, I mean, I'm pretty sure none of the cast has green eyes uh, that I'm aware of, so it's got to be something else. The first thing that comes to mind is usually Jealousy. It's called the Green-Eyed Monster, and that's exactly the name of the episode. So I'm guessing it involves Jealousy, which, again, we have two Crichtons who are jealous each one exists and one's got air and one doesn't or 
Now we got Krace that might be trying to horn in on Aaron and Crichton. I don't know. Could be jealousy there. Or knowing Farscape could just be literal and it's, it's a monster of the week with green eyes that they encounter next time. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think Chiana has green eyes. It's just that all the blue throws you off. So I'm totally making that up. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with something weird between Aaron, Krace, and Crichton. Uh, maybe Crichton's the jealous one between the two of them because they're both peacekeepers on the ship. Or it's Crace because of whatever weird crew dynamics and, like I said, maybe Talon's impacting his feelings uh, towards Aaron. And therefore, you get kind of this weird thing between the, the three of them bickering back and forth or, or, you know, some jealousy there. Or it could be between the two Crichtons, right? Because, you know, like you said, they're, I don't know. I'm going Crace, though. It, it, Crace, is, Crace is my wild card. Yeah, because, you know, we just got through with our, our last love triangle, which we completely hated. So, <laughs> well, between... At least now Dargo. there's no kid, kids, no, no children involved. So anyway, yeah, that's yeah. Dargo, Chiana, and Dargo's son Jothi. That was just well. Anyway, go back and listen to it. Uh, it was we we hated that. <laughs> so, but at least these characters we like. So hopefully, if there's some kind of love triangle or quad angle, yeah, because <laughs> you got two Crichtons. I don't know. It's yeah. Do, we... Dodecahedron, whatever. <laughs> at least these people we like, and we'll probably enjoy that plot line. Well, we either like them, or in Crace's case, we like to dislike them. But either way, they're good characters. So. Maybe it's Scorpius. We haven't seen him in a while. Maybe we'll show back up again. Uh, who knows? Wait, does that mean there's two Scorpius, two Scorpiuses, because there's two Crichtons? Well, if you count Harvey, the one that was inside Crichton's head, which... Yeah, but you got Harvey 1 and Harvey 2 now. We do? Well, there's two Crichtons. That's true. So if Harvey's in his head still, there could be there could be three there could be three Scorpiuses. Scorpii? What's the, what's the plural of Scorpius? Scorpius. Scorpii? Scor yeah. Scorpii, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen... No, actually, Harvey was was hanging around a little bit, right? So, yeah, there could be... That's true. There could, now there could be... Right. Wow, okay. Cool. I didn't think about that. All right. Anyway, so that's your homework for next time. Season 3, Episode 8. And we'll see you then. Goodbye. But for things we have seen, we have seen Farscape Season 7. Nope. Nope. Let's try that again. Farscape. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been a while. What do you want from me? <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? When I went to search for that on... Here's a tangent for you to cut out. When I went to, to search for the episode on um, Shout Factory, that's exactly what I typed in with Season that 7. That thing sucks to search for anything. I, it's like I have to find one thing and then like back into where I want to be. <laughs> Yeah, it does amaze me that at the bottom of the page where it says, hey, you may also be interested in this, the next episode is not there. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, season six, yeah, season episode six, I saw that one, okay, and then like season four, like, no, no, where's season three, episode eight? That's what I want to, what? <laughs> the next one in the sequence, that's the one I want to, yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> I don't know anyway. where we were. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, I know, okay, what was it?